when I was in relationship with the avoidant, the avoidant felt as if he was withholding love and withholding affection. And when I understand it in this context of attachment, you know, he's hurt. He's afraid. He doesn't want to get hurt. He, you know, he doesn't know how to do it. And I'm taking it personally. And so because I have this like silver lining type of a personality and mentality, it's kind of like I would always see the potential. And had I had a stronger sense of self in that moment, I would have been able to recognize that, you know, his behaviors were telling me everything I needed to see. And no matter what, like he may change, but is that worth my life and time and precious, whether it's a month or five years of changing, you know, is that worth my time? And sometimes that is for people. And I'm not to shame you if you've been in those shoes and you've held out and the person's changed and you've healed it together. Great. But for me, it was really empowering to take a step back and to say, no, that's just that that's not going to work for me. And yes, I still have compassion for anyone in that position. And I don't point fingers and say he's wrong. It's just the way we were raised and the patterns that, you know, we we grew into. And if one person wants to do the healing or is ready to do the healing and the other person isn't, well, there's some decisions that need to take place. So for me, there was this fear of abandonment and this need for reassurance from him because it felt like he was taking it away and really he was, you know, from my psyche, he was. It's just I hadn't had that experience in my other relationships. I didn't really know how to handle it. So the more I worked on creating that solid sense of self and really anchoring into my sovereign me, I was able to heal that and it was really life-changing. Welcome to the School of Higher Consciousness. I am your host, Dr. Gina, and in this school, we will be exploring the parts of life we didn't learn in actual school. The stuff that matters. The stuff that helps you heal and live a more dropped in, vulnerable, and authentic life. I invite that higher version of you to join me in this podcast as we demystify and normalize truths in our world that often live in the shadow. All right, let's do this. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode on the School of Higher Consciousness. I am your host, Dr. Gina, and today is the start of a series I've been looking forward to releasing for a really long time, but I wanted to wait until we were deeper into this month of love because it has a lot to do with relationships. And so although February is when we celebrate our partnerships and the love that we have for those closest in our lives, It's also a time where people are almost pressured to reflect on their relationships with intimacy or partnership, at least in the hallmark level of it, because Valentine's Day is not forgiving, right? You walk into the grocery store, Walgreens, Target's like smack right there, Valentine's, you know, and so you have to think about it, at least in some capacity. A lot of us probably avoid it, (laughs) or maybe you're hyper-focused on receiving something from your partner and have more of those love addiction qualities. I'm not saying all of that is like a love addiction quality. What I am saying, though, is it's a great time to let look deeper into the why of our behaviors. So the series that I'm starting today is on attachment styles or attachment theory, if you've heard of either of those before. 
And today's episode will give you a pretty solid introduction to attachment styles. And by the end of it, you'll be able to kind of assess where you stand within the different styles of attachment. So let's start by asking, what is attachment theory? And in super, super short form, what it means is how we attached to our parents or primary care providers at a very primal level, like the first 18 months of our lives, determines how we attach to our romantic partners as we get older. So the bonds that we cultivated or didn't cultivate with our parents sets us up neurologically and physiologically, and that's what we call a pattern, to relate and attach to others in a similar fashion. So it's a learned behavior and it becomes our default. And so what the research on attachment shows is that you can be raised to become securely attached to your caregivers, which then means you will be securely attached to your future romantic partners or close intimate partners or insecurely attached to your caregivers and thus insecurely attached to your future romantic partners. Now, the key is that I really want to say, and I'll probably say it a few more times, is that if you are insecurely attached, you can work towards healing your attachment style and become secure. But that takes awareness and effort on your part to start to make some behavioral changes and regulate your nervous system in some small ways that can help move you towards secure attachment. And that's exactly part of my story. It was about seven or eight years ago when I learned a lot about attachment styles from healing my own attachment wounds. Um, I was in this relationship where there was just brought me a ton of stress in just a whole different way that I experienced before. I mean, it was a great relationship in all of these ways and I just kept holding on to the potential of it. But in today's words, people would probably call the relationship toxic because there was this like push-pull dynamic. And so when I started to learn more about attachment styles, I immediately knew like, oh, for sure this is what's happening. I realized that I had an insecure, anxious relating style and that was being activated in this particular relationship because the person that I was with was displaying these stereotypical avoidant tendencies And there was this polarizing effect playing out, this push-pull dynamic that hadn't happened in my previous relationship, so it was new to me. So I started to cultivate this greater awareness and started to heal. And the first thing that I did was just learn about attachment. And I was starting to cultivate this awareness and start to make these changes within just myself, not within him, just myself. And that started to bring me greater peace. I read the book Attached. I got some therapy. Actually, he and I were already in couples therapy. And if you haven't done that before and you think you and your partner might need it, I highly recommend it. Because even if it doesn't work out for you and your partner, it will provide you tools. So if you go into the sessions with a positive attitude and a productive mindset, you're definitely going to get something out of it. Even if it's not like the ideal solution, you're going to gain something from it. But that's just like a little side note. But all of these techniques helped me start to regulate my nervous system in a way that I didn't even know I needed. So ultimately, he and I didn't end up working out. But when I was like single again and looking to partner up eventually, 
I was able to make different choices in who I would date because I knew what to start to look for that wouldn't be um, like regulating for my nervous system is like kind of the only way I can say it. And what I find really interesting is that this anxious relating style had not been activated in other relationships, or at least it wasn't very noticeable. So in so many ways, I'm so grateful to that particular relationship, even though it was like, quote unquote, toxic in ways. There's so many wonderful parts about it also. But had I not had that experience, I wouldn't know this about myself. So I'm really grateful for that. And it also speaks to that point that it can really depend on the person that you're relating to. Not everyone will activate the insecure relating style within you to the point where you have awareness about it. So especially if you're on the more mild spectrum of insecure, because I think if you're on the extreme side, you probably will display those characteristics in most of your relationships that you're close with. Um, But that I guess I'll leave to the experts to verify or deny. So let's go back to the basics of what attachment theory is. How can a child be raised to be securely attached? So when a child is brought up in a warm and nurturing environment where the caregivers are responsive to the child's emotional needs, then a secure bond will be formed. And that's the goal here. The child will end up creating secure bonds with their caregivers and then future romantic partners. Then on the other hand... If a child perceives that his or her needs are not met, and those are the emotional needs, then the child is unable to build a secure and stable bond with the caregivers, and an insecure attachment style is then formed. And like I said, there's three main categories of insecure attachment styles. And so there's anxious, which is also known as preoccupied. There's avoidant, which is also known as dismissive. So those are like the opposites, really. And then there's disorganized which is also known as fearful, avoidant, and those are kind of a mix of both anxious and avoidant. And so now the natural question is, well, how does an insecure attachment style form on the home front? And I just have to say here, again, everything's a spectrum. There are so many different contributing factors and nothing's like black or white, but I'll just give you a few that's in the literature. So when a caregiver has low self-worth or lacks confidence, now this isn't like a parent who's saying, I feel bad about myself or I'm not confident. Like they can act confident, but if in the deepest core of themselves, they're not confident, that gets translated. It's like that energy transference that children feel. Or if a parent lacks identity, that can be felt again by their, their child. Like there's an insecurity in the person that I'm supposed to trust, and that gets passed down. If there's an inconsistency in meeting the child's emotional needs, meaning sometimes a parent is very attuned, like they're very capable humans, they're confident, but they are sometimes really attuned. And then the next day, like totally not attuned at all. Like this child experiences an inconsistency, which they relate to as an insecurity. And on the other hand, those are kind of like the anxious style homes. Then if a parent experiences divorce, abuse, if a parent is overly strict or dismissive of children, like you are to be seen and not heard, you know, behavioralism, that all is contributes to an insecure attachment style. 
if a parent is very emotionally unavailable or a workaholic or an addict, obviously abuse, or even if a child is asked to be too independent from an early age, all of those things can set the child up to have an insecure attachment style. Now, two things I want to emphasize again is having an insecure attachment style is not a mental disease or a disorder. It is so common amongst adults. And again, it's on a spectrum. And truly, most people, especially if you're like not on the extreme side, you don't have anything to worry about and you can learn and grow towards more having a more secure bond, bonding style, I should say. Um, And it just can cause distress or harm your own relationships and just causes you pain that you don't have to have. And so you can do things to heal it. And then the other thing I want to say is I really want to emphasize that these are emotional needs that I'm talking about. So many parents out there are able to meet their physical needs, like their children's physical needs, their material needs, their wants, all the presents, you know, for all their birthdays and holidays and all that. But are they dropping the ball on the emotional aspect? And that really is not to shame anyone, but to bring awareness to the topic. I truly believe that millennials and Gen Z, right? That's under millennials. I don't know about alphas yet, but Gen Z and millennials, I think that a lot of our work humanitarily, if that's a word, like collectively is in uncovering kind of just these unhealthy relating patterns, whether it's in the workplace, within relationships and healing them and changing that. So it's not to shame anyone because really if, if, people are dropping the ball on these emotional needs, it's because they didn't have them met themselves. They don't know how, right? They weren't patterned securely. They didn't have their emotional needs met securely. So if you identify with that, the first step really is to start creating awareness, to start to change that pattern within yourself. And sometimes it comes to just like admitting it within yourself. Like that's the hardest part, right? It's like when you think of addictions, it's like just recognizing you have an addiction is the first part of healing. (laughs) Again, it's just not a disease or, you know, a diagnosis. So let's move on and talk about how these attachment styles show up and how they play out in adult partnerships. Let's start with the anxious, preoccupied attachment style. I'm going to read quite a few different descriptors of what it could show up like in your life or in someone you know's life. And you don't have to have all of these. You could have one. You could lean really heavy in say abandonment, but not really identify with some of the other ones. Usually you're going to have a little bits and pieces of some of them. Um, And I'll share with you how some of this showed up in my relationships when I was doing some of my healing. So in full transparency, I do want to say that I'm taking the following information from the Attachment Project website, which is an awesome resource for people wanting to learn more about their attachment style and wanting to move more towards secure attachment. And I've linked all that in the show notes. Okay, so if you or someone you know has an anxious preoccupied attachment style, the person is quite attuned to their partner's needs, their girlfriend, their boyfriend, their husband, their wives, their kids, all of the other people's needs, but they're often insecure and maybe even anxious about sharing their own needs. They're afraid of telling their partner what they want. 
or they don't really feel a really strong sense of worth in the relationship. Uh, Often, if the loved one, if their partner fails to respond to their needs, they can turn internal and blame themselves and just deeply not feel worthy of love. Adults with anxious attachment need consistent reassurance that they are loved, worthy, and good enough. And all of this stems from this strong fear of abandonment. So this abandonment might cause these like anxious adults to be intensely jealous or suspicious of their partners even. Um, And this fear might also lead them to become like clingy, preoccupied with just the idea of their relationship where it's like obsessive or feeling desperate. So adults with this attachment style can be afraid um, of being alone or they can feel like they they would be incapable if they were alone. And the last thing to mention here is that the anxious style person seeks intimacy and closeness and they're highly emotional and dependent on others, especially their partner. So the presence of their loved one appears to be the antidote or the remedy for their strong emotional needs. So they say that having this style is really tiring and it can feel like you're on this emotional roller coaster all of the time. And on one hand, there's this fear of being alone or rejected and that's the poison. And so the antidote, right, is being with that person. So they need their like affection or their demonstration of their love to remedy this fear of abandonment, this constant doubt and worry that they feel. And so like that's just something for everybody to kind of understand and have compassion for because a lot of our population has this style of attachment. And so there's a lot of insecurity about where they stand in relationship, whether their partner loves them as much as they do in return, and just really the slightest disappointment or rejection from their partner can be really harmful. And a lot of these people already have low self-esteem, so it can be even more damaging. All right, I want to share with you my insights about what it was like for me to recognize I had some of this, but I'll wait until I share more about the avoidant style because it was because I was with somebody who is quite avoidant that this stuff started to come out. So how to recognize if you or a person you know has an avoidant attachment style. All right, so for avoidant adults, social interactions and bonds remain just really on the surface. And so in order for the relationship to be meaningful and fulfilling, it does have to become deep. But if you're in relationship with an avoidant, it feels like you just hit a wall, like when dealing with this type of person. It's just like, is there any more to this? Like, tell me more, tell me more. These individuals will let you be around them, but they will not let you like fully in. They tend to avoid strong displays of closeness and intimacy. And as soon as things get serious, this dismissive avoidant individual, they're likely to close themselves off. So if you're on the receiving end of that, it can feel like, oh, this relationship was going somewhere. And then all of a sudden it's like, where'd you go? Like they might ghost you. They could do a variety of different ways to start putting you further and further away at arm's length or further than that. When avoidance start to pull away because they feel that they've gotten too close, they also may start to try to look for a reason to end the relationship. They may start to become critical or highly annoyed by their partner's behaviors, their habits, or even their physical appearance. 
And so at this point, avoidants start drifting off and distancing themselves even more from their partner. And adults with this attachment style believe that they do not need emotional intimacy in their lives. So this is a direct result of their upbringing. Their caregivers showed them that people cannot be relied on or trusted. So whenever they sought emotional support in the past, it wasn't provided. They simply stopped seeking or expecting it from others. It's as if they've turned off the switch. And on the outside, an adult with an avoidant attachment style looks really confident, strong, and put together a lot of the times, not always. But on the inside, they're often suffering and contributing to their partner's suffering state also. So as you can see, emotional closeness and intimacy are literally just off the table. Not because they won't reap the benefits, but they don't know how, which is really sad too, right? Like bringing compassion to the people in the world around us. Like a lot of people have the avoidance style. So that's why I say it's like, yeah, we can point fingers at people because they're in my life causing this and that. But really at the end of the day, like these are our fellow brothers and sisters, really. And we need to shine compassion on all of our experiences that we've had. And that side note right here, that perspective is why I got myself in trouble in my past relationship because I would always see the silver lining or the potential of it, right? Like the healing. And that is a, you know, hand in hand with a, with the anxious attachment codependency thing, which again, we'll talk about here in a minute. But, and the last point that they mention here is that if you have an avoidant attachment style, you are likely to pass that on to your children unless you heal it. The anxious attachment's a little different there and sure that stuff gets passed on too, but the avoidant one usually gets passed on more because more avoidants don't seek the healing. Let's go into the disorganized attachment style in relationships. So with the disorganized attachment style, you have the fearful avoidant. It's really a mix of both the anxious and the avoidant attachment style. So on one hand, you want to belong, you want the love, and you want to be loved. And on the other hand, you're afraid to let anyone in. So you can see how this is like a really complicated attachment style. They have a strong fear for the people who are the closest to them that they will hurt them. Adults with disorganized attachment style fear intimacy and avoid proximity, similar to the individuals with a avoidant attachment style. But the main difference with the disorganized style is that they want relationships. So they do not reject emotional intimacy like the avoidance do. They're just afraid of it. So adults with this disorganized attachment style continue to view their partner, which was once kind of like their parent in their mind or their psyche, as unpredictable. So they're scared of it. And what comes to my mind is almost like a stray dog where they have these new owners, they, they want the love, but they're afraid of it. So it takes time to warm up. So disorganized attachment styles, they have trouble believing that their partner will love and support them as they are without having to change, without having to earn their love. So these adults expect and are waiting for the rejection, disappointment, like the other shoe to drop and for the hurt to come. So in their perception, it's going to come. It's just, it's inevitable. And as you can imagine, this type of lifestyle, this mindset can turn into a form of self-sabotage, causing this disorganized adult to end a relationship prematurely. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
the disorganized adult will expect and predict that they will be rejected by their partner. So even when there's no signs, he or she will start behaving in a way that leads to fulfilling these expectations and often just ending the relationship before they're hurt. When you're on the extreme side, it says that the disorganized style is at a higher risk of developing mental health issues such as substance abuse, aggressive behavior, or abuse on their own children. They say that research also demonstrates a link between the disorganized attachment style and borderline personality disorder. That got a little heavy there, but... The truth is a lot of people can relate to each of these insecure styles, whether you're on the mild side or the extreme side of the spectrum. The good news is your attachment style can change, and sometimes the change can totally just happen by itself. When you're in a relationship with a securely attached person, that in itself can facilitate emotional closeness and a sense of calmness and stability. It's not always that easy, and sometimes you do have to work a little harder on your own attachment style. And one of the big pieces in that is really forgiving and recognizing that you cannot change your past, but you can change the present and the now. And so once you've forgiven and really let go of your past, it's important that you start to really recognize and become mindful and aware of how you interact with your loved ones, how you interact with yourself recognize what your needs are. Notice, are you treating strangers with more kindness than you are your partner? You know, seeing what these behavioral patterns are in relationships and becoming mindful of them will really make the issue easier to solve. So self-reflection is incredibly important. Really, again, like that honesty is really important. Analyzing and making sense of your childhood experiences is also an essential step. And so when you start to realize that these past experiences do not have to predict the outcome of your future or your present, it makes it much easier to break free from these behavioral patterns. And it might just take a lot of trust, like feelings you haven't experienced or leaned into before just being like, well, let's see how this goes. But I do want to mention that there's such a beauty in learning about why people do what they do and how we tick. You know, how many people in your lives have said things like, oh, I just hate people. I don't go there. I don't really, you know, like there's this, that joke that people say all the time. Oh, I just don't like people. It's like, I've used that joke too. But when we learn about why people act the way they do, it really just can elicit so much compassion and love from a really deep part of ourselves. And when we're talking about things like higher consciousness, like that is where it wakes up a part of us that maybe hasn't been patterned. Like how much is compassion patterned in our daily lives? So hopefully, you know, when we see people doing things that are hurtful or, you know, hopefully we're not triggered that we can pause and understand that everybody acts the way they do for a reason. And to take that point, on a slight tangent here. If you've ever heard of Sam Harris, he has a podcast called Waking Up. I think it's called Waking Up. Yeah. And he, on one of his episodes, he talked about if you were to be living anyone else's existence from the time that you were born as that person, that you would make every single decision that they made. (laughs) 
That is to be debated, I'm sure, but it's a fascinating thought. Let's bring us back here on track and let's talk about the golden child, those secure attachers out there, the ones that half of us are after looking to bond with so we can feel more regulated and leaving them trapped and left to deal with our craziness. No, I'm kidding. But thank you, secure ones. You can deal with the rest of us because you're secure in it. So here are some signs of a securely attached individual. They have a very positive view of self. They do not need reassurance in order to feel valued or worthy of love. They simply feel good on their own as well as in relationship. Secure individuals also have a very positive view of others. They tend to trust their partners and do not feel suspicious or the need to be jealous or doubt their loved one's intentions. They are able to accept displays of affection, receiving love without fear or confusion, and they're able to share their love and give affection. The secure attachment style is the most warm, loving, and lovable of all of them. And secure individuals also have a very positive view of childhood, which means they've learned to forgive because no one's childhood is perfect. They appreciate the good, understand the stuff that wasn't so good, and they move on from it. They're not holding themselves or their parents or their siblings to any identities. They're able to reflect on and make sense of their past experiences and live in their adult self. I also want to share some signs of securely attached adult relationships. So whether you are in a secure relationship or you have healed your insecure attachment style, this is kind of the ideal. What qualities show up when a relationship feels secure. So here are the signs. You're able to regulate emotions and feelings in a relationship. Strong goal-oriented behavior when you're on your own. Great at bonding, opening up, and trusting others. Knowing what you're about in life and what purpose you want to fulfill. You can communicate your needs effectively. You feel like you know that you can make an impact on the world around you. You're comfortable with closeness and mutual dependency. You actively seek emotional support from your partner and also give emotional support to your partner. You're comfortable being alone and you know how to use that time to explore. And there is a strong capacity to self-reflect on how you are showing up in relationships. So congrats to all of you securely attached folks out there. Must feel good not having anxiety, huh? (laughs) No, but really it was so encouraging to read that list now and be like, oh, I check, I I literally check all those boxes now, which makes me really proud considering where I was seven years ago. Just to illustrate my own healing, when I look at those attachment qualities for the anxious attachment, I don't tick all of those boxes, but I definitely felt like when I was in relationship with the avoidant, the avoidant felt as if he was withholding love and withholding affection. And when I understand it in this context of attachment, you know, he's hurt. He's afraid. He doesn't want to get hurt. He, you know, he doesn't know how to do it. And I'm taking it personally. And so because I have this like silver lining type of a personality and mentality, it's kind of like I would always see the potential. 
And had I had a stronger sense of self in that moment, I would have been able to recognize that, you know, his behaviors were telling me everything I needed to see. And no matter what, like he may change, but is that worth my life and time and precious, whether it's a month or five years of changing, you know, is that worth my time? And sometimes that is for people and I'm not to shame you if you've been in those shoes and you've held out and the person's changed and you've healed it together. Great. But for me, it was really empowering to take a step back and to say, no, that's just that that's not going to work for me. And yes, I still have compassion for anyone in that position and I don't point fingers and say he's wrong. It's just the way we were raised and the patterns that you know, we, we grew into. And if one person wants to do the healing or is ready to do the healing and the other person isn't, well, there's some decisions that need to take place. So for me, there was this fear of abandonment and this need for reassurance for from him because it felt like he was taking it away. And really, he was, you know, from my psyche, he was. It's just I hadn't had that experience in my other relationships. And I didn't really know how to handle it. So the more I worked on creating that solid sense of self and really anchoring into my sovereign me, I was able to heal that and it was really life-changing. All right, folks, there you have it. This is an introduction to attachment styles and attachment theory. And over the next three episodes, you will be hearing from three different attachment specialists who will go deeper into each style of relating. So next week, we'll be hearing about the secure attachment style from Eli Harwood, also known as the attachment nerd on her social media handles. And she also will share a lot about the different styles, so not just secure, and she'll share more about attachment theory and how the different bonds are formed. Definitely don't miss any of these. It's hard to say like, don't miss this one. Like don't miss any of them. (laughs) Following Eli, you will hear from Erica who goes by anxious female who will be our anxious attachment expert. And then lastly, we hear from Adam who goes by attachment Adam on his business and social accounts. And he will be our avoidant specialist educating on us all things avoidant style. The fearful avoidance style will be spoken to a bit throughout all three episodes, but I do apologize because I did not curate an episode specific to this style. If you know of someone who specializes in it, let me know and I'll reach out and I will create an episode if you're interested. And if you're interested in learning more about the experts that I'll be having on in the future episodes, I've linked their information in the show notes. I highly suggest that you follow them on their socials. They have an abundance of information and knowledge if you're interested in this topic. All right, that is it for today. I will talk with you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope the School of Higher Consciousness helps fan that flame inside, bringing you closer in alignment to self. If you enjoyed this podcast or got you thinking a little differently, I would love if you reviewed the podcast or shared it with a friend. Any support helps right now as I journey into this newfound platform of podcasting and obviously giving it a five stars. I wish you ease and joy as you move through your day.